0: center and coming in as Louis Bank centered it and the stars, Maddie McDonald. and over at that flame bench there's all kinds of excitement going on there
1: and he's stopped by Markstrom from point blank
0: Is Flames Talk with Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.
1: All right, welcome to the Scotia Bank Saddledome, and welcome to this hour of Flames Talk on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Live on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. It's already March. It's Friday, March first, and uh, it's Pat Steinberg along with you at the Hot Stone Lounge. It's a Friday, and boy, do we have a ton to talk about. I'm not sure if. Uh, four Eric Francis hours would be enough to get into all of what we've got to get into, but we'll do our best. It is time for the Eric Francis hour brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry cares for their horses, employs Albertans, and contributes to the economy. Visit thehorses.com, 18 plus please play responsibly. And Eric joins us now from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca and uh, boy, franchise, we have got a ton to talk about like the um even even before we get into any of the mika kiprasov stuff which has been so much fun to be a part of this week uh then uh, then jacob markstrom opens up a brand new can of worms and we got a trade that went down on wednesday um we've got lots to get into how are you buddy
0: i'm great how are you like what a great day uh well, a fascinating day um in a season where storylines continue to just pop up every which way but loose uh, you know, today there was all sorts of stuff going on, uh, but there was this brief respite from it all while we got to watch that incredible hot stove and luncheon with, you know, flames luminaries, right? Jerome. And listen, they all go by their first names. Everybody knows when I say Rhett, Jerome, uh, Ron, Dion. Dion, everyone knows what we're talking about in Calgary. Uh, Jamie, eh. I joked that, you know, there were four luminaries in Jamie. Uh, but Jamie McClellan is a, is a legend here, too, in his own right. Don't, I'm just kidding. And those guys just provided so many great uh, stories. And uh, and Kipper soft didn't fail to provide a lot of great lines. And then the press conference. Then I heard him on the radio with you guys. Like, pretty cool stuff. Because we, we heard more from Kipper today <laughs> than I probably heard from him in 10 years of covering the team. And uh, people really enjoyed all that. And then, then there was the cool moment after the press conference. You didn't see it, but maybe we'll touch on it later with Minnie Kipper. I, saw, great- I, saw,
1: you, uh, I saw it thanks to Eric Francis on Twitter. I saw it.
0: Well, let, let me just briefly tell that story because I just think it's so sweet. You know, uh, Brendan Peters is his name. He was known as Minnie Kipper back 20 years ago. Anybody who's been to the Dome, you know, when Kipper was playing, remembers this little kid. He was like seven, six years old, wearing full equipment. He had the red beard painted on his face. He had the mask and the gloves and the pads all identical to Kipper's. And his dad had painted all that with him. And he stood behind the glass mirroring every move that Mika made uh, during warm-up. And it was just beautiful. And Mika always knew about him and, you know, would, would touch the glass for him. And here we are 20 years later, and that, that man's name is, is uh, Brendan Peters, and, and he had this moment today where they, he now paints masks for a living. He airbrushes goalie masks for a living. He did this beautiful tribute mask and presented it to Mika and just gushed about what an incredible honor it was to meet him, to present this to him, to be part of this weekend. He was wearing a bow tie and everything. It was so cute. And, and Kipper gave him a big hug. And, oh, my God, like, I'm not saying uh, I'm an emotional guy. I, didn't, I wasn't that emotional, but it was, it was a touching moment.
1: Was it, was uh, it, uh, of, Jerome, was it Jerome trade day no, emotional?
0: No, we're not going there again. <laughs> no, it wasn't that. It was just a beautiful moment. Don't ruin it. <laughs> uh, anyway, a crazy day. And then I, I passed by Mike Vernon today while the luncheon was going on. I'm thinking, wait a second. So in one day... An organization that spans, what, over 40 years, you've mm-hmm. had three pillars of your team in terms of goaltenders. Mike Vernon, Nika Kiprasov, and now Jacob Marksman, to a lesser extent. But still, three of, 3 of the three best goalies this organization's ever had. Mm-hmm. And in one day, I've had interactions with all three of them. That doesn't happen every day. It was very bizarre.
1: Yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I, I'm before we go anywhere else nobody ruins a moment better than me so you should um you should be you you're you're in the presence of greatness I am incredibly elite at ruining touching moments um let's let's get to let's get to Jacob Markstrom well because we we're gonna we're gonna carve out a good chunk at the back half of the Eric Francis hour to share some Mika stories uh if you haven't gone and checked out uh, Eric's outstanding piece at Sportsnet.ca. Uh, just, just make sure you do so before Saturday or before the ceremony on Saturday, just to get a little bit more context. And when Jamie McLennan is telling some stories on Saturday, and and when you're here seeing all the guys laughing, um, just you know, go go read the uh, go read the latest from Eric at Sportsnet.ca. It's um, some really good stuff. I read it this morning, and uh, it was uh, it was a really awesome read. I was not though expecting what we got uh, on on Friday morning at practice. EF, I came to practice fascinated to see what the D pairings were going to look like. Since the Chris Tanev trade on Wednesday, which we'll get into, uh, I wanted to see what the D pairings were going to look like. That was the main thing I was interested in at practice. And then... When uh, Jordan Bay from Flames PR came and asked, like, who are we looking to talk to today? I immediately said, let's go Rasmus Anderson, Mackenzie Wieger, and let's let's get those two guys to react to Chris Tanev's departure. And then another suggestion was Jacob Markstrom, which I thought was a good suggestion as well, because Jacob and Chris go way back to Vancouver. They've been attached at the hip. They signed with the Flames on the same day in October of 2021. And so uh, Jacob was going through that Gave a little uh, few comments on on Mika Kiprasov as well, and then right at the end of the scrum, uh, some troublemaker with his name on this hour of Flames talk asked a question. But honestly, Eric, I'm going to play it right now. I as as it was going on, as you asked the question, I was fascinated to hear what he was going to answer with. I was super interested in terms of how he was in answering it, and then it went a complete different direction. This was uh, that with uh, Jacob Markstrom after practice on Friday morning.
0: Jacob, have you have you parked any talk of a trade in that in your uh mind is that not going to happen for sure
1: i mean i I think there is you know everyone in here uh, every player in here i you know i really respect them you know everything that's been going on and not going on and uh, it's uh you know how how everyone in in this room have handled handled everything i think it's been been really good and then uh, you know the whole whole situation and everything. I'm happy about that. No, I'm not. And I think it could have been handled a lot different from from up top. So I I left their franchise dazed. I was. Like, did I? Did he just say that? I, I was completely taken aback because. At first, I thought he was just gonna. I thought he was doing an expert job of deflecting, right? Like, hey, you know what? I'm not gonna address it. I'm just gonna say we've done a really good job handling the noise, and we're focused on uh, Saturday against Pittsburgh. That's where I thought it was going, and then it goes to, "Am I happy about the situation? No." And it could have been badder, handled better from up top. Like, how the hell do we interpret those last ten seconds of Jacob Markstrom in the locker room today?
0: Yeah. I didn't expect him to go there either listen there was a report out there yesterday um, that teams had been told that Jacob Arxham was not going to be traded by the March eighth deadline and so that's kind of where I thought he might go because he was again you got to ask the tough questions because you never know what you're going to get from these guys when I asked him a couple of weeks ago about you know I'm assuming with your no trade clause you're you're not you're not worried about these trade rumors and that's when he he didn't drop a bombshell, but he, he was very open with me and said, no, I, I, I'm open to whatever the planes want to do. If they want to have to talk, I'm, I'm, I can talk to talk. So, listen, Craig Conroy opened his tenure as a GM saying, I don't want anybody here who doesn't want to be here. Mm-hmm. It's hard to believe that Jacob Markstrom falls into that category anymore of, of somebody who wants to be here. And uh, that's how I interpret these comments. You don't take a snipe at your GM when you plan on being here for another two years. You do we even know, you know it was he, a
1: snipe at the GM? Was it a snipe at above? The, like, I, I, do we even know who he was going after and what he was referring to? And I ask that not to be combative. I just that's been kicking around my head as well.
0: So. To me, there's two ways you can interpret this. One is he's just uh, unhappy that his name got dragged through the mud at all. Uh, You know, at a time in his career when, you know, he's still got a no no movement clause and really his name shouldn't be dragged through the mud. So again, I think he opened the door up for him to be part of potential rumors uh, by being honest, you know, and and saying I'd be open to the possibility. The second thing is, listen, there was one report that, that, The Flames went to Jacob Markstrom and said to him, are you okay with a trade to the New Jersey Devils? And and he said yes, and that the deal fell through based on the fact the Flames weren't willing to retain part of his salary. I have a hard time believing any of that, to be honest. I'll, I'll be honest from my intel, but that's a report that's out there. From a credible like a, a normally quite credible source. And I'm not saying he's not credible this time, but then but, but my intel and talking to some people is he was approached with kind of a hey, if we were to find a trade for you, would you consider waiving your no trade clause? And maybe there's the devil in the details. He thought maybe he thought he was saying yes, I I will waive officially and maybe there was a belief that they were asking more like, would you conceptually, would you waive it? We're not saying we're going to trade you, but would you? Anyway, these are details that are foggy. You know, I've reached out to Craig Connery, and this is, I think, too hot a potato for him to deal with now. Mm -hmm. Whether there's a Kippersoft thing going on or not, this is a big deal. And all I, you know, to me at the end of the day, listen, it's pretty simple to me. He's not happy where he's at right now in terms of the way things were handled, however they were handled. He'd, he's leaving with sour grapes. He's he, left with a bad taste in his mouth is probably a better way to put it. He made that public now, which opens a Pandora's box, and listen, he had his best friend traded from the team earlier this year in Elias Lindholm, his childhood friend. Now he's got Chris Tanev, who's gone, who he said today I think was the guy he enjoyed playing with the most in his entire career and he said he'll never have anybody who he enjoys playing with more than him. He knew those trades were coming, but still the reality that they're gone coupled with the fact that he's not happy with the way things have been handled for whatever reason behind closed doors. The only question left in my mind is, has he officially asked for a trade? Right. To me is where we're at right now. And I'm not, I, I don't know the answer to that. And I'm pretty sure the planes will close ranks as much as they can. But, uh, you know, stay tuned for tomorrow because every day I think you're gonna see a different report from now till the trade deadline revolving around this, you know, and everybody's got different sources. So we'll see where this goes. But to me, that's what all this leads up to is, has he officially asked for a trade out of town? Or is it just now unofficially known? He's so unhappy that maybe you now can't put the toothpaste back in the team. Yeah. No, well, and, and it's and all so, very unfortunate for a GM who, A, didn't want the Mika Kiprasov situation or celebration to be overshadowed, yeah. and B, a GM who I personally think was resigned, and the reason I asked the question, was resigned to keeping the goaltender until the, the end of the year, giving the team as good a chance as possible to still stay in a, in a playoff race, and then trade him in the summer, which I've always thought, was the smartest and best course of action because your options are so much greater for a bidding war and for a possibility of teams to make room for them.
1: It's, um... It, it, There's there so many different things that, that went through my head. So, so number one, I, I wondered the exact same thing. Is it a toothpaste moment, right? Like, is it one of those situations where now that this is out, how do you how do you do damage control? Can you do enough damage control? And is this thing already too far down a road that you can't reverse it? That that I absolutely have been thinking about. You know, I thought about, um, and and it was funny, as soon as I, as I was walking out of that locker room and, and heading towards the Ed Whalen meeting, the lounge i thought to myself you know, is that a situation where, and, and then I heard Kipper and Bourne talking about it before Flames Talk went on live on this Friday, and, and they kind of kicked around the same thing. Is that a guy who was really excited to go to New Jersey and then frustrated that it got nixed and, and it didn't go through? Did, is, is, you know, nixed or it didn't happen or whatever, and he was excited to go potentially be in a new spot and was ready to go down that road mentally, and then it didn't happen? Is that what he's frustrated about? Is it just simply the frustration? That the quote uh, flames quote unquote allowed this to become public. I don't know, and that's why it's so yeah. fascinating, and, and that's why I'm with you. This feels like a real toothpaste moment where you're like, can you get this? Can you get this back in the bag? And can this be figured out? Does this now turn into a situation where we're back on high alert between now and next Friday? If if Jacob's going to finish the season with the team, and and honestly, Eric, I, I the last week or so. I thought it was trending very much in that direction. Even before that report came out, it just everything that I had been told is that, yeah, there's not much going on anymore. There, there maybe was, but now there isn't. Now you wonder if, you know, this is the catalyst to pick things back up again. So
0: then if it is what I, you know, I think this, this is a very public declaration that he wants out in my, you know, potentially if that's, the case, and the GM would know better than anybody if, if that's how he's reading the TVs, and if that's the conversation he's had with Markstrom's people and/or Markstrom. Then what do you do? Because, as I've said all along, without a bidding war, or without a team willing to meet all of your asks for like a very valuable asset, mm-hmm. I think you're foolish to trade him for anything short than you absolutely believe he's worth. Because if you can't get it now, you will get it in the summer. That's always been my belief. But now that this has come out, and if if, in, if indeed that this this relationship is, you know, got a, a fracture in it that that's significant, you know, you give the guy what he wants. Like, remember we went through this with Zodorov. Zodorov went public, which was extremely disrespectful and bad business and hurtful to the organization. And there was bad blood because he did what he did. And they said right away, he's got to go. He's a problem in the room. He's a problem in our organization. Mm-hmm. But they couldn't trade him right away because then it looked like he got exactly what he wanted. And you can't just bow to someone who just says, ah, I want out. And then you, you grant them that wish. doesn't work that way. You get moved on the, on the agenda of the organization. So they had to wait a little while before they traded the door off, right? You agree with me, right? Like this, yes,
1: I, I think thing. that was absolutely part of it. They, they, they had to get him out of there. They urgently, like, they, they had to move him at some point. I think it was a distraction. I think it had turned sour, and I think it was an yeah. addition by subtraction situation. But they couldn't just do it right away because two things, what you just said, and also they had to build up the value a little bit and get some teams interested to, to try to – come close to maximizing the value so absolutely that's right so
0: is this a similar situation i would agree i would suggest that it is the only thing different is that he didn't exactly say i want to be traded but if you're to read between the lines you wonder um the 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 real difference is you've only got a window of seven more days with which to act so you can't really slow play it you're either going to trade them and decide that it's too much of a distraction or he just simply doesn't want him to be here. And this could be poisonous for now and the next two months. Or do you have a meeting with him and somehow pass this up and move forward and say, no, no, no. There was just a little frustration. He was just being honest. And, you know, and then, and, and we're going to code this for the next two months. We all know that by the summer he'll be gone. Um, I would assume, but you know, but now the big question is, will he be gone by next Friday? It's, mm-hmm. it's fascinating. It's a wrinkle. Nobody saw it coming until I threw that question out there. And again, I don't want to come down on, on, on Jacob Markstrom. I'm not criticizing him for what he said at all. Not like Zadorov. I think this is different. This was a guy who answered a question honestly. And I'll never criticize a player for an- an- answering something honestly. I think that was, that was you know good on him. And it's caused problems. Doesn't cause me problems. <laughs> Gives me more to write about, but it, it causes problems for the organization and that's that's why this is such a bombshell. Yeah.
1: So what's your uh, what's your gut feel now?
0: I because I well,
1: I am fat like I, I even wonder how that goes over in the room as well. Like what what what's your gut feel? Does it happen now but and, and I'm I promise I'm not gonna radio you. This is just well, a guess this is not a direct report, but, like, what,
0: what, what, what's your feel? See, I'm glad you brought that up because and just to give people, take people behind the curtain, like, if I answer this question right now, somebody grabs the quote and puts it on the Internet, and then I'm quoted as saying, you know, whatever I would maybe say. So I'm not even going to answer that question. It's That's very week, fair of you, know. you. You know, and I rarely turn down questions, but I'm just saying, like, a couple of weeks ago, you and I were just spitballing and I said something about Markstrom and I, it was taken completely out of context. It went on the internet and went viral. And I was quoted as saying that I would be surprised if Markstrom was here in a week from now. That was what I, they, I was quoted as saying it was out of context. So I'm not, I'm not predicting what's going to happen from now on, but this is a significant issue that, you know, I guarantee you they are huddled up right now uh, trying to figure out how they're going to address yep. it because it's, It's
1: not big. Yeah, and and an issue that I don't think anybody came to the rink wondering if they were going to have today. Um, Just a uh, – and, you know, here's the other thing that I wonder about, Eric, is so – I don't know if you picked up on the same thing that I did today, but I I certainly – boy, did it feel like the – realization that Chris Tanev is no longer a member of the Calgary Flames, it seemed to hit harder and seemed to be more of a stark realization from the group than maybe some of the other deals that have been made this season have. And it just – it felt like – it felt like that one really hurt. And it felt like yeah. today with – and so I Wes used the term last hour. He said – I, I worry that this might take the wind out of the team's sails, You know, th- knowing how well they're playing and how much character they've shown. It just it feels like the Tanev one. They all knew it was coming, and they all knew that this yeah. was a potential, and yet it still feels like that one hurt. And now you pair that with now Jacob just saying what he's saying and the impending Noah Hannafin news that we're all waiting for. Like, you wonder at what point, does it become just too much uh, in, in the course of a season for a team to be able to to keep on overcoming? You know, and I, I'm not saying they won't because they've done a, such a great job of it so far. But you you understand why some might think that. Geez, how does this one end up affecting the group, right? And and yeah. you just wonder how much how how many more body blows can the group absorb?
0: You wonder if today ends up being a a real turning point. Like we look back at the end of the year and at the season and we say that, that Friday where all hell seemed to break loose, that was morale was low already in the morning. And then the goalie drops that bomb. And then we can all try to pretend everything's happy uh, with the Kippersoft luncheon and comments and press conference. But at the end of the day, we're going to find out tomorrow night a little bit more about the character of this team, which has been impeccable this year. Through a lot of, lot of stuff going on behind yeah. the scenes. Um, but that's why I was asking the coach today, like not only is morale low right now, like it's clearly low. But you're right. The energy at the rink was, was different for a team that had won four in a row against some pretty damn good teams, had every reason to feel really good about themselves. When the reality hit that Tana was gone, and then it starts making you think that the reality is about to hit any day now again that Hannafin's gone, and now the goalie throws out the possibility that he could be gone any day. And he's the backbone of this whole team this year. Um, and then, on top of all of that, Pat, tomorrow you've got a two hour pregame mm-hmm. distraction. And, and teams rarely, rarely uh, win games when they have like a, you know, a one or two hour thing before the game, right? Like, it, it, I bet you if they pulled the stats, uh, it, it, it's just such a big distraction. Everybody's out of their comfort zone. And the opposing team would just come in and steal two points without anyone knowing. I think all that combined, I'd be very surprised if the Calgary Flames could pull off a win tomorrow night. I just think there's so many things going against them right now.
1: Yeah, and and you can kind of understand it. Even take pretend that you know Jacob doesn't say what he said today you could understand why the Tanev one hurts a little bit more. I mean, the Lindholm yeah. situation, we, we knew it was coming. And also, like, you know, he, w- he was a guy that he, he was wearing it, right? The whole situation, yeah. he was wearing it. You know, Tanev has been this consummate pro who is such a huge part of them winning. And here's the the part that you have already mentioned that I think's important to underline again is that on top of everything, they're playing their best hockey in ages, and they're looking yeah. like a group that can make it interesting from now until the end of the season, and then you just lose your best defenseman. And while they all understood it was coming, you can understand why that would be such a kick in the gut, right?
0: 100%. But, but the character of this team has been tested throughout the season, consistency is still an issue, obviously. But the character is un- has been unwavering. And maybe this is just another thing that Backlund and the leadership team uses this to fuel these guys to say, look, now everyone's really written us off. Like, guys, let's just see if we can continue to shock some more people, play for ourselves and shock the world. So we'll see how they rebound. But uh, what happened today was a big blow. Um, you know, what, what's happened in the last 48 hours has is, is certainly been a big blow uh, with everyone bracing for another one or two to come. It's, it's such a, this has been the most fascinating season I've ever covered uh, with the Calgary Flames. And that, I mean, I guess 2004 was damn fascinating too. And in, uh, in a different way, but this has just been the, for a columnist, I would just say it's the gift that keeps on giving.
1: <laughs> yeah, I bet you will. It really is. <laughs> um, just quickly before we uh, transition to uh, Mika Kippersoft talk, um, what, uh, what would you make of the Tanev
0: trade? Uh, I, I guess that acquiring a stay-at-home, off-the-glass defenseman who kills penalties is not sexy. Uh, I've never met Grushnikov, but I, I hate to say it, but he's not sexy. <laughs> like, it's, I, I get why people, uh, the trade was not well-received, but to all those who are all in a tizzy over it being a bad deal, I'll remind them that they were probably the same people that thought the Sharon Govic deal was a bad one. They were wrong. Uh, they, were, they were the same people who probably thought that the, um, the Sadorov trade was, was, a, was a loss. They were dead wrong on that one. I'll stand by that. Um, we overvalue people all the time in our own market. I'm not saying we overvalue Kanek, that everyone in the league wanted this guy. But, listen, a, a, a second-round pick was a given, the question was what sort of prospect were you going to get? They're really high on this guy. they, they are. think he's like a Robin Regeer. They think he's like a Chris Tanner, and while that's not sexy at first, ten years down the road, we may be going, "Wow, he's just like tanner or Robin Regeer I don't know i have never seen the guy play i just I understand why people you know kind of crapped all over it because he's not a name, he doesn't have fancy stats um but. The, the organization, you know, feels strongly that he is a real special person. And so that's, I guess that's what some people ought to go on.
1: It is the Eric Francis Hour. Uh, Pat Steinberg, Eric Francis, along with you on this Friday. Uh, Lots to talk about uh, when it comes to the team right now and uh, lots of opportunity to do some reminiscing, which we'll do in just a few minutes. The Eric Francis Hour brought to you by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry has an $83 million positive economic impact in Calgary annually. Visit thehorses.com, 18 plus. Please play responsibly. Anything and everything Calgary Flames.
0: It's all on Flames Talk, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.
1: Eric Francis Hour continues on this Friday. It's Steinberg along with you from the Scotia Bank Saddledome, and uh, let's say hello now to I'll continue saying hello to Eric Francis, who uh, joins us as well. And you know, Eric, the, last, the first part of the hour, um, we talked about Jacob Markstrom. We talked about Chris Tanev. But now we got to talk about Mika Kiprasov, don't we? Because you wrote that article. I don't even know, like, where do we even want to start as we move towards his jersey retirement ceremony on Saturday.
0: Well, listen, I—you alluded to the column I wrote about him today, seventeen hundred words, which is twice as long as any column you usually write. But I just, there were just so many great stories. This guy's a rock star. Okay, like I, the only other guy I can think of in the National Hockey League, certainly that I covered. That even comes close in terms of like being so enigmatic, uh, so mysterious, like rock starish. Is Yarmir Yager? Uh, the difference to me is that Yager acted like a rock star, like he knew he was a rock star. Kipper came by it honestly. He was just a, a you know a shockingly mysterious, fascinating, uh, enigmatic you know being that nobody could quite figure out. Like even in his own room. Guys never knew quite where they stood with him. They never knew when he was pulling their chain, but probably he was in some way because if anything was going askew in the room, it was probably Kippers doing, like in a playful way. Um, so I just basically asked, you know, about a dozen of his former teammates and colleagues and staffers, you know, for their best Mika Kippersop story. And there were just so many good ones. And, um, You know, they went through a bunch of those. Fortunate enough to be at the luncheon today for the hospital. They recounted some of them. Uh, Some of them did not, were not told today. Uh, I'll just start with one from Michael Backlund that I just think is so funny. Um, He was telling me up until last year, he couldn't even smell tequila for about 10 years because of Mika Yeah. He said in in his second year in the NHL, he went out to Nashville one night with the whole team after a game. And it was Ole Jokunen, of all people, who doesn't even drink. He said, hey, rookie, whatever Kipper drinks, you drink. And Backlund said he lasted about an hour, did some moves on the dance floor, and then he went straight up to the bathroom in his hotel room and puked his guts out. And for 10 years, couldn't even come near tequila. And he said, listen, it was pretty rare when Mika Kippershoff came out, but when he did, he liked to have a good, good time. And... And to that point, another thing I heard from a handful of guys was Kipper's go-to move when he was in the bar with the boys was he'd park himself at the bar close to the bathroom if he could, and he'd order between 30 and 50 vodka cranberries. And he, he positioned himself there so that any teammate, whoever went to or from the bathroom without a full drink, were then handed a, a replacement drink. And it, there were strict instructions to the barkeep never let this go below half so if i've got 50 here i never want it to go below 25 keep them coming all night long like a very generous jovial fun-loving guy who was so quiet and i think even for teammates who spent all this time with him to see him let loose after seeing him being so quiet and emotionless on and off the ice and in the dressing room to then see him go to the bar and be that guy with the proverbial tie wrapped around his head, dancing on the bar. (laughs) It must have thrown him for such a loop. Um, You know, and and I want you to jump in, because you've got some great stories, too, from over the years, or maybe some that you just heard from the luncheon today. Uh, I'll throw one more out there, and then I'll I'll pass it over to you to maybe tell one. But, um, you know, the, the, the Jamie McClellan story, he's got so many. But he was the goalie coach during a very tough time. He told us at the luncheon today, and I was glad he did. It was a very tough time that they were going through, and they had a big, tense meeting. Daryl Sutter came down. He was the GM. Brent Sutter was the coach. All these other coaches in a room with him, he was the goalie coach. And then there's a knock at the door, and it's Kipper. And he says, I need to talk to my goalie coach. So everybody else just says, yeah, go, go talk to him. Whatever Kipper needs, like, go, go handle it. Like This is important. So he goes out. And Kipper kind of takes him into Rich Heskis. Uh, he, he was like the strength and conditioning. Strength yeah. Yeah, he takes him into his office. All the shades are pulled. And he thinks that uh, Kipper's going to say something like really serious to him. And instead, he sits down in front of Rich's computer, which he's been on for the last couple hours, and he starts showing Jamie videos of guys getting hit in the nuts, guys <laughs> wiping out on dirt bikes, like the kind of stuff they show on America's Funniest Home Videos. But this was new to Kipper. I mean, you know, 20 years ago, the internet was kind of a novelty. And he's dying laughing, the, the goalie is. And is and, and uh, like, you pulled me out for this? This is ridiculous. <laughs> and, and so that was kind of the sort of tone of a lot of the stories I heard, which is there could be chaos going all around. And just like when he was scored on he just flipped up his mask, took a sip of water, and he looked like he didn't even know he was – like it didn't phase him at all. Yep. That's kind of the way he was all the time. Like hardly had a pulse, but certainly had a big personality.
1: So the one that uh, the one that I've heard recently, and um, we had David Marcoux, who was his uh, goaltending coach for the first six seasons of Kipper's time here before Noodles took over. Um, and David Marcoux told this great story about. Um, a practice in uh and and daryl sutter it was similar to the one but a, a different story but similar to the one that that noodles told at the luncheon earlier on friday but essentially what happened was um they they were at a practice and and daryl sutter was the head coach at the time so this would have been in o three o four or o five o six, one one of the two seasons that daryl coached with kipper here and went over to david Marcou and just basically said hey uh, your goalie's going down on the butterfly too often. Like, what's he doing? Like, tell like, why is he going down so often? And so David Marcuse skated over to to Mika and was like, Hey, you know, he's Daryl would like you to stop, you know, going down on the butterfly as as often as you are. And so instead of you know just adjusting a little bit. He decided to go full stand-up goalie the rest of the practice. Did not Did not go down to stop a shot the rest of the time and was instead just going the old-school 80s stand-up goalie, kicking out rebounds, and doing it just to mess with Daryl Sutter. How many guys on that roster, even back in 03-04, would have been able to mess with Daryl Sutter as a player like Mika Kipper. Like, you you wouldn't have been able to, and yet Mika could because of his demeanor and because of what he
0: meant to the team, right? Absolutely. Like, that falls in line with the stories. Like, he would show up at, you know, fitness testing, and, you know, all these guys are going through the VO2 max thing on the bike, and they're puking and all this, and Kipper would show up, you know, take the chew out of his mouth and basically go, no, I'm good. And then walk out. Like, you know, like the rules didn't apply to, to him at all. Um, my favorite story that I've heard is, again, from Noodles talking about, you know, like Jamie McClellan's one of the only people in the world, I think, that Mika Kippersop would answer his call. I mean, Mika is a hard guy to find, even amongst his friends. And he called him recently, and uh, there was no answer, but Kipper immediately texted him back and said, uh, hey, I'm hunting right now. I'm sitting in a tree, and it's minus 15, and I can't make any noise because I'm hunting deer. And uh, then he proceeded to send a selfie of himself, a goopy-looking selfie of him 15 feet up in the air in this tree. And so McLennan just texts him back and says, hey, David Marcoux uh, wants to know your number. And Kipper just writes back, 34. <laughs> <laughs> I just think it's so great. And that was all. That was the end of the conversation. You got my number now. Um, the other story I was telling you at the lunch, you know, there was a, one of the players, you know, all these guys have pregame rituals, and Kipper had, was not superstitious <laughs> at all. This he didn't have a single superstition. And he knew about all the guys in the room doing all these stupid things, and everybody had the same thing and the same day every day. He said there was one player before every game, after the warm-up would come in, and and go straight to the the crapper and do his business, and so he decided with the help of I believe it was Robin Regeer, that they were going to disrupt this ritual, and they took the door off of the of the of the of, of the, the, the stall. stall. Yeah, they took the door off, and the guy comes in, and he's like, what what the hell? And th- the whole room is dying laughing because of course they know that every game this guy relies on this moment to have his uh, sacred crunch so anyway that's it, it, you know the, the ingenuity um you know the other story that uh Matt station told me is that there was one year it, they had their second child they got pregnant with their second child and kipper thought it'd be funny not to tell his family back home in finland and they just showed up in finland with their second child at the end of the season <laughs> That that's a practical joke going a little too far if you got me but for kipper it was kind of for the course. And then, sorry, i am going to a Mike Commodore story because I love this one. He said when he was, you know, when they traded for Mike Commodore was just kind of breaking into the league. He wasn't around a lot, but he Mm -hmm. he introduced himself to Kipper. But for months they didn't really ever have much of a conversation with him. He's like, you know, I'm a he's a goalie and I'm a young guy trying to stay out of the way. Like, but before, just before the playoffs, he's standing alone in front of that at practice. And all of a sudden I get a, you get the tap on the back of the leg and it's Kipper. And he says, Hey, your hair is too big. Get out of the way. I can't see anything. And Commodore said he turned around in shock and said, "You speak English?" Because <laughs> he never ever spoke in the room. So, oh, what a character, man!
1: It's um, it, and and you know, part
0: of part of
1: the whole allure of the guy is that he was kind of like. He was that enigma. He and and yeah. as, as you heard him when when he spoke with Wes and I admitted it that yeah, yeah I, I, I definitely could speak English. I, I just did it as an excuse so I didn't have to talk to the media and like, it was all part of the as you mentioned, the enigmatic nature of the guy and that's what made him such a rock star for so many is because you just, you didn't know what, you didn't know much about him and all you knew is that he went out there and he gave the team an opportunity to win and and uh, stole games in, in huge playoff rounds and for the last three, four, five years of his time here in calgary probably covered up a lot of things that um maybe didn't um didn't didn't show through because of how good he was all those types of things and but you just you never really quite knew that much about him which is why i think he remains the the legend that he remains today on top of everything he did on the ice
0: yeah absolutely like that again we consider like jerome When his number was retired five years ago, it was we're just telling stories about how great he was. But this guy, to me, you should be telling stories about how shedding light on his personality because no one ever got a window into it. He never talked to the media. I I covered him for ten years, and only once I remember having like a really long, meaningful conversation. Meaningful is a strong word, but I remember it was when there was a street fighter named Kimbo Slice, and this guy was some internet sensation. And, you know, MMA had never been on network TV and never, no one ever thought it would be. But this street fighter named Kimbo Slice was going to be debuting that sport on uh, NBC in prime time. Anyway, I don't know why I mentioned it. It's not even my world. But I mentioned it to Kipper and he pulled the chew out of his mouth so quickly. And he, we must have talked for 25 minutes about it. He, he was so passionate about it. I mean, you couldn't believe it. And he was so into it. And his English was incredible, and I'm like, oh, my God, like I've covered you for like eight years at this point, and I didn't even know that you could speak this well. And uh, so he kind of let his guard down on that. But I've told this many times, like at the end of the year, after all the availabilities, they, all the players meet the coaches, then they come out and talk to us, then they go away mm-hmm. for the summer. Every year it almost became a game. We would have three photographers with the sun posted at different spots of the dome every year convinced we were just going to get that elusive photo of Mika Kiprasov, and I asked him today if he would maybe shed light on how he got out of the building all the time, because it was a game to him, right? Other guys told me it was a game, and he he loved, you know, that that it was a thing for us to try and get a photo. And uh, he said, you heard him at the press conference. He says, I'm not, I'm not telling you how I got out, out. And you know, I know Mark De Pasquale, the equipment manager, had something to do with it. He told me that he kind of helped him get out, but they didn't divulge exactly how. So ghosting peter hanlon the pr guy was one of his favorite pastimes you know so so many times peter would come out and go yeah you guys want kipper okay i'll go get him kipper would be in the shower and then peter would be like okay i'll come right back and get you and then gone it was like he vanished into the wall (laughs) and and no one could ever find him and there's peter red faced. so that's why there's been some talk throughout this whole process that wouldn't that be the ultimate joke that Kipper played on, on Peter and the organization, that he would just ghost this whole ceremony and not show up uh, this week? But when he showed up at the airport, everybody breathed a sigh of relief. And he promises he's going to have a speech that's more than thir- 13 words, which is what it was when he went into the finish Hockey Hall of Fame. Just a great a great story. And the last one, the wetsuit. You know, I love that story. For the outdoor game, he asked Depot to order him a wetsuit. And Robin Regeer said, like, dude, you understand those things don't breathe. Like, you'll be sweating like crazy. And so the day before when they went to try out the ice at McMahon Stadium, he wore the sweatsuit or the wetsuit. And (laughs) Regeer's like, dude, how you doing? He's like, this is awful. This was a terrible idea. And he said, but today we asked about it. He said, no, it was a terrible idea. I never wore it. But, man, I enjoyed uh, using it for water skiing the next summer.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it, and and you know as as we um, as we start to wrap up our our Eric Francis hour, and and we're both looking forward to Saturday and the Jersey retirement. It's gonna be it, it's it's gonna be super neat to be a part of, and if you have the privilege of, of being able to go, I think you're, you're gonna look back on it and say, yeah, I'll always remember where I was where when they raised number thirty four to the rafters. But you know you. You talk about, you know, how he said, like, yeah, yeah, I'll get, I'm, I'm going to do a speech that's longer than 13 words. Do you, do you get the sense that I do that, like, th- this this means a lot to him? And, and you know, talking to people at yeah. the Flames are like, he's been all in. This is He's not half an, half-assing half anything. He's been all in the entire way through. This, this means an immense amount to him.
0: Yeah, and I think when you get older and you realize that, you know, the whole world wanted you, The media wanted to talk to you after every game. Uh, Autograph seekers wanted you, and you walk away from the game, and 15, 10 years later, whatever, you realize that life changes significantly. I think you kind of go, yeah, you know what? It wasn't that bad, and I don't mind doing interviews. And I mean, this whole thing is built around him. I I didn't expect him to come here and be a jerk. (laughs) I didn't expect him to snub us either. Um, He still doesn't offer a whole lot with his comments. But those, that dry, quick witted sense of humor is so infectious, right? It's just so adorable. Um, there's something about this guy that, as I said off the top, I don't, I've only covered one other player in my life that is as mysterious as him, and that's Yager. And we know the fascination the hockey world has for Yager. Um, and that guy was visible still. Um, this guy just wasn't, hasn't been visible. And it's neat that we do get a chance. Probably one last chance to see this guy, although he did say today that maybe, you know, it'll be, he won't wait so long for his next visit because I think he's having so much fun and realized this is a great city that still loves him a lot.
1: No doubt. Uh, I'm looking forward to Saturday. I'm looking forward to Morning Skate on uh, on Saturday as well. There's a game to be played against Pittsburgh as well and, and with um, the, the stuff that we talked about in the first half of the hour, I'm uh, quite interested in what we see Saturday morning at uh, Morning Skate as well. Lots to sink our teeth into on Saturday. Another outstanding Eric Francis hour. Thank you, pal.
0: We'll do it again next week. I'll see you tomorrow. I appreciate it, man. Listen, funny that you say all that because I walked by Sidney Crosby today in the bowels of the arena, and I'm thinking to myself, I don't even really need to talk to this guy or want to talk to this guy. <laughs> like, there's so many other things going on around here, and yet one of the greatest players of, of a generation walks by, and I'm like, yeah, maybe I'll talk to him next year when he comes to town.
1: <laughs> yep. <Yeah. laughs> Crazy. Sydney Crosby, yeah. whatever. Uh, yeah. Thank you, pal. Great stuff, man. Thanks. We'll do it next yeah. week. Cheers.
0: Yeah, thanks, man. Have a good night.
1: Eric Francis and the Eric Francis Hour starting to wrap up. Uh, Eric Francis joins us every Friday, and uh, we go in-depth, a comprehensive hour on your Calgary Flames, and uh, this week, a comprehensive Mika Kippersoft segment as well. Thanks to Eric and the Eric Francis Hour brought to you, as always, by Horse Racing Alberta. The Alberta horse racing and breeding industry cares for their horses, employs Albertans, and contributes to the economy. Visit thehorses.com, 18 plus. Please play responsibly.